Today on the AV Podcast, I'm joined by producer and reporter from National Public Radio, Andrew Mambo, as we discuss the situation with Naomi Osaka regarding her pulling out of two very prestigious Grand Slam tournaments due to her issues dealing with the media and protecting her mental health. It's an unprecedented situation. Um, so we talk about the strength of Naomi finding her voice, her stance, and her power, especially as a black woman. How this affects Wimbledon, the French Open, the TV networks, how this may trickle into possible repeat situations with other athletes in the sport, and more regarding this as well. Um, South Sharaf is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit the like button, the favorite button. Don't be bashful. Rate, review, and subscribe or follow. Leave comments as well. I don't care if you love it or you hate it. Leave all the comments you like. Click on every one of those five stars, especially if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. And check out my catalog of podcast shows once again on SouthshoreAve.com. One more time for emphasis. That's SouthshoreAve.com. It's the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Shore Ave Radio. Let's do it. Welcome to the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Shore Ave Radio. Welcome to the Av Podcast. Uh, my guest today is the producer and reporter from NPR National Public Radio. Uh, please welcome. Andrew Mambo to the show. How you doing today, sir? What's going on, man? This is the this is the friendliest introduction you've ever given me. Of course, every time I come out here, what's I, happening? I know. I'm, I'm actually. It, yeah, it doesn't even feel right that I did that. I almost want to start it over. Just uh, to <laughs> no. the energy. It don't even feel good. It don't even feel it's good. It's just the two of us now. You ain't, you're not trying to like. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an audience to, to go to. You know, to, to know. bring the beef to your door. Now it's just. You, Behind the curtain, all right, we're, we're friends, we're friends, all right, so it's fine. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> you freaking show me some respect on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, it was jokes, though, too, because, you know, we're both in the same fantasy league that that we cherish, and it's it's coming up soon, so, you know, I, I figure, you know, maybe I'll deal with the, the, the niceness right now, and, you know, and, like... <laughs> You come, you come on later this summer. It's, you're probably really not going to get that same energy. You know how it goes. You know, you know how it goes. You know how it goes. It's usually started by you all the time. It's always started by you. Yeah, it's always started by you all that time. That hate and that beef. I yeah, I, I bring nothing but happiness and joy to that league. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, every everybody but me for some reason. I don't know why. I'm just I'm the victim. I have to defend myself every time. You know, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really, I don't even need to say anything because everybody knows you're full of shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably put a lot on it there. That's fine. I, I could deal with that. That's fine. Uh, I'm just gonna edit that out. Just gonna edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. It's fine. Um, I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted to get into the discussion real quick about uh, Naomi Osaka and, and her decisions to pull out of the, the last two Grand Slam tournaments, the French Open and, and now Wimbledon, due to not wanting to deal with the media for her mental health, which has caused a, a, a ton of controversy within the media. You know, but but mainly like part of the job of being a professional athlete is dealing with the media. You know, so people are ripping on her for not committing to these responsibilities. But I, I think. It's, it's forcing an interesting situation, and I think something's happening here, and, and it's representing another, to me, it looks like to me it's representing another attack at the, at the traditions of media in, regarding sp- these sporting events, also protecting mental health and understanding your value. But for, for you watching the situation now, the fact that she's pulled out of her second Grand Slam, what are your thoughts when you look at this? Uh, yeah, I think it's like, well, it's been fascinating because, you know, this is all part of this long-running change in terms of, like, media's relationship with athletes, you know, the the powers that, that have been moving slightly. And, and when I say this, like, you know, there's a lot of talk and people talk about, you know, athletes having all the power and athletes having, like, suddenly taking a lot of power. I think what's kind of left out of that conversation sometimes is that there are certain athletes that have a lot more power than they used to have in certain athletes that exercise that power and, you know, um, Certainly, if you know Osaka was the whatever 150th ranked player, and she made this stand, it wouldn't make the news. People wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't have the support. It would, it would be damaging. It would, like, you know what I mean? 
it's it's a, it's a privilege to be in that position to be able to make that statement and still have endorsements to back you up financially and know that somebody's getting hurt. I mean, I don't know the numbers. I'd be curious to know the numbers, but like I imagine that on some level, I'd be curious how much tennis suffers. How much did Roland Garros, um, the French Open, suffer for not having her there and potentially having her in the final in terms of ratings right. and whatnot? And the same with Wimbledon. I mean, it's that's it hurts for them not to have her there. Mm-hmm. And there's no way around that. And so I'm just saying, like, I think that I like and appreciate the, the idea and concept that um, athletes are, are gaining power, you know, through their ability to speak directly with their audience. Um, but we, we, we should keep in mind that it is only certain athletes that do have that privilege to be able to do that and, and do it with a, in a way that isn't necessarily detrimental to, the, to their playing career. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, nah, absolutely. Like, I, I like the fact that she's doing this. To me, you know, to lend to kind of what you're saying, it's, it's uh, which is, you're absolutely correct in that sense where it's not the role players, like in team sports, it's, it's, it's not the sixth man coming off the bench that can do this. And as you said, if she's a 150th ranked player, not only does Roland Garros don't care, they're probably like, well, we don't want you to speak anyway. What are you going to say? Who cares? You know, like they, they probably pull the mics away from her. You know, like you you, you want to talk right. after the game after you won? Beat it. You know, like there would be a certain level of of almost like a dismissal if, you know, if, if she was ranked way lower. But um, like I like that she's actually, let me rephrase that. I love the fact that she, this is happening and, and what she's doing. Um, but part of the reason why I love it is because I think like number one, to me and, and you know in this space now we're you know recognizing mental health and all this stuff is growing the fact that she has mm-hmm. a chance to kind of protect it right now you know i think it's it's, yeah. it's actually very interesting to me because you know we've been living in this this uh this post-covid world this this, uh, this pandemic world right now and you're seeing yeah. a lot of things changing within people right and you, you get and you understand the stresses of all the lockdowns there's so many different stressors that are popping up in your daily lives right now that you, you probably wouldn't, it probably wouldn't even have happened, you know, in 2019, right? Like it would, these things would have happened. So mental health is a, is a real thing. Like the suicide rates, the, the mental health aspect has grown exponentially during this period. Right. And, and right. I mean, it's, it's for all walks of life. This isn't just, just a certain class of people. The whole world is kind of dealing with that. And, you know, and, and you're seeing it's, it's taking its toll on a lot of people. Right. So and I'm not saying this is what's happening with her, but mental health is really being recognized or it's, I think it's really being recognized more in this space, at least to me, because you're just watching. I'm like, I've seen people like not to say you're talking people off the ledge, but like I've had these conversations with different friends and stuff where you just you just it's almost like you're checking in to see how they're doing. You know what I mean? And then sometimes you hear yeah. the story and you're like, oh, shit. You know, like even for me, like, I, you know, I don't I know we haven't had a chance to talk in a bit, but I remember a few months ago, I had a friend of mine where, you know, we, we were like one of the things we kept saying was, you know, like, yo, we got to meet up. We got to meet up, you know, because all this stuff is happening. You don't know what what what's going to happen next in the future. So, you know, we got to own these moments to go at least, you know, hang out, have a beer, or go watch a game or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I was one of my good friends from um, university, probably one of my best friends uni- from university. And about two weeks ago, man, he, he had a heart attack and he died. Right. So for me, it was like, you look at that and like, yes, I mean, thank you. But like, it's, that's like, you look at a, something like that where it's like, you know, you're not checking in on people and stuff. And I'm not, you know, like you just don't know mm-hmm. when that next moment, like, you know, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen in the future. Right. So, yeah, and, and and I'm like, yeah. and, and even for me, like, I'll tell you, like, honestly, for me, like mental health wise, Mambo, like I struggled for about like this is probably the first week where I've been like back to myself and normal. I struggled for about a week and a half, you know, and, and I think everything just came at once. So I, I respect the fact yeah. that like, you know what I mean? Like this is kind of happening in that aspect for her because yeah. it's such an important issue. And the fact that she's out, she has a platform to protect it is huge. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off before, but go on. No, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think it is good, it is, and it is important, right, that people like her, when they're having these, when they're having mental health issues, that they speak up about it because it normalizes it, right? Mm-hmm. For a long time, people, you know, 
it just hasn't been normalized in the way it's being normalized now more and more every day, which which I think is a, is obviously a good thing. I was um, and um, you know look at um, Michael Phelps who's been really open about it, and so much so that he's not you know like a spokesman for the talk space that he's uh, that he. Um, but one of the like online counseling services right. that he that he speaks up about, and he's really like been a, a strong proponent of it. And it's good to hear Naomi Osaka saying the same thing, right? Because the more people see that, you normalize that, you normalize the idea that somebody can prioritize their mental health. Mm-hmm. Granted, no matter what, you know, there still can be still a privilege to be able to do that, right? Take time off of work, all those kind of things. But if you have that space, it's good that um, people talk about it. And even if you don't have the space to be able to do that and take that, the fact that, like, if, if you normalize the conversation, if you normalize the idea that, like, we don't all have to say, like, well, okay, I'm good, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. all the time, all that leads to positive change, for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at entertainers, you look at athletes, and you think because they have a certain sense of privilege because of the money they make, you know, like the the reach of, of hitting fame and those type of different things is, is within arm's length. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a pipe mm-hmm. dream for mm-hmm. people. And, and, and a lot of people envy that, but there's also, as you know, there's also a lot of pressures that come with that too. Right. And yeah, it makes me think of like when she just started winning, right? Like when she, when she just started winning her, her grand slam, like what well, I think was the U S open was her first grand slam. I think she won. Right. And yeah. she beat, and yeah. she beat, and she beat uh, Serena. You watch this girl, you know, this young lady step to the mic. Remember how timid she used to be? You remember how like yeah. nervous she used to be to like to even talk? Like she was so unbelievably shy. It's it's like it, it just didn't match like what you just saw on the on the tennis court, you know? And then I remember that whole situation yeah. where people were booing because they wanted um they wanted Vita, uh, Serena to win because I think she would have yeah. she would have got the record and she started crying right there. You know what I mean? And Serena had to come and basically comfort her. This and I mean this is her moment, you know what I mean, and but yeah. so, so you're seeing all that, so it's like okay, so you understand from that perspective, this is not an extroverted person, you know what I mean. So the fact that this is happening, I'm not saying I'm sh- I'm shocked or surprised or I'm not surprised, but like you know when you think about those like how she started off, I mean, all of a sudden now you're getting all this fame and you know all this fortune and you know because I think right now she's the highest highest endorsing uh, female athlete in the world right now, right? I think she even passed Serena this year or in the last 12 months. So, yeah. Yeah, like that. that is that is a huge, from where you were before to, to, to where you are now, that, that's a huge leap. You know what I mean? And not everybody can deal with that. Like that's a lot of, that's, it is a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Like I don't think people respect it and they just see the money, but they don't see everything that's that's like basically holding on behind that, that money, right? Yeah. No, I, I was going to say, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. She's always been quite open about um, how shy she is and, and, and whatnot, and has been evident. Um, I think it's interesting that the, you know, it's interesting the way that the, the, the four majors kind of made a concerted effort to collectively say to her, you know, this is the rules, you need to follow the rules or else. And that even in the face of that, that she, you know, was like, fuck this, I don't need this, um, was a pretty powerful thing for her to do. I mean, she's only, what, 23 years old? I mean, she's still so early on in her career. And then for her to really make a very clear statement by saying no to Wimbledon, but yes to the Olympics, and Mm -hmm. like expressing how, you know, happy she is to be able to do the Olympics, which is her essentially saying that, like, the treatment that she's going to get at the Olympics is going to be different than what she experiences at each of these tournaments. And that that is the thing that, you know, and I don't know what, how much that differs to be honest, or how much athletes need to be made available according to, you know, different um, Olympic committees. But I imagine, you know, Japan is going to make some accommodations for her in a way that the majors were not willing to do and it's quite a statement. I mean, there, there's no way that they're not losing money by not having her there. Because it's a storyline. Like, she is every time. I mean, I'm, I'm into tennis to see to see Naomi Osaka. Mm-hmm. When Naomi Osaka was out of the... I was, well, I was following the, the French, you know, Open. When Naomi Osaka was out, Serena Williams was out, I was out. Like, 
Same and, here. and a part of it is like same here. And it's not even to say that like those players like there's a value to to the fact of like uh, I'll, I'll say this just the other day like I don't follow tennis that hard, but I will I will definitely follow players specific players. And so I was following Serena Williams, and Serena Williams led me to Naomi Osaka, right? Right. And also, you know, the leading me to Coco Goff and, you know, different different yeah. tennis players because you get into a storyline of them. And if I'm tuning out because Serena's not there and Naomi's not there and Naomi, for all, like, she's number two ranked in the world right now. She very well might have made it all the way to the final. Like, the fact that I'm not following her throughout watching the people she plays against and noticing somebody and potentially, you know, making a connection with another player, mm-hmm. um, that's like a loss for, for me, for other people. I mean, there's a reason they pump storylines, you know, when they're doing these broadcasts. Yeah. They want you to know these personal aspects of people's lives because they want you to emotionally attach to somebody. Yeah. You know, they want you to, like, have a connection. They want you to like somebody. They want, like, all of those elements. I understand why they want Naomi Osaka to speak. They want people to like her. They want people to, like, connect with her mm-hmm. and all of those things because when people like you, they're going to, like, come and watch you play. It's very few players, like, who's somebody that, you know, people are like, I hate this person, and I come to watch him. I mean, what, maybe Tiger Woods? But, like, who, like, who, who is, you often watch because you like somebody. Yeah. And so, they're definitely got to be hurting financially. It, yeah, it's probably sure. minimal at this point, but, like, it's, it's, it's a bad look. And depending on what she does after Wimbledon, after the Olympics, be really curious to see what the U.S. Open does. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, I, I like I love tennis. Like I, I'm a I, one one of my bucket list things in life. Honestly, and this might sound funny to say, is I, I always wanted to go to the U.S. Open. That is something like I, I'm gonna knock off uh, knock off on my list one day to go watch, sit back and watch, and act like an actual tournament. Stay there for at least a week and just watch, just be there live and watching that. Like I love. I'm not like a tennis fan to that degree where I know every single player, but I love the Grand Slams and I love the U.S. Open. Yeah. With So when it comes to like the French Open, even Wimbledon, yeah, like once once she was gone, I was the same thing. I was out. I was out. I had no interest yeah. to, the, to the point where I, I remember one of our friends texted like Nadal won or I think Nadal, not, not Nadal, I think Djokovic won the French Djokovic, Open. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, shit, the tournament was on? Like I, like it was to that degree. I was that <laughs> far gone. You know what I mean? Where it's like I didn't even know the thing was yeah. playing. You know, I didn't even know the tournament yeah, started, yeah. much less finished. But a lot of that was because of Osaka. Like I'll, I'll be honest. Like a lot of it was because of that. Like I know I don't think Serena played either. That was a thing where I was just like, oh yeah, I'm not interested. You know, like I just I, I immediately lost interest in it. But it it, it has to yeah. hurt them. Like and that's to me, this is where it gets interesting because. You're the Grand Slam, like you. You're one of those Grand Slam tournaments. You come with a, a certain level of prestige and tradition. Is excuse me. It's very important to you know to be in these tournaments because at the end of the day, when they talk about winning championships and 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 this sport winning majors, like you know, if you only have a few majors, you're not going to be considered AKA one of the best in the world or you know of all time that kind of thing. When you're ripping off a certain count, like a Serena, where she's out, what she had, like 24 or 25 or whatever it is, it's like now you start mm-hmm. playing with like those numbers and stuff. When you when it starts, when you start racking up those numbers to that degree, now it's like okay, you're getting disrespect as you know the the all time tennis player or, or the the best tennis player of all time. But like even without that, it has to start from somewhere. So at at this stage now, where she's at, she could be raking it in because she's so young and she's so gifted already. Like she could be just doing like grants, like um, what do they call it? Like the um, when you win all four of them in a row, what is it called again? The um, I can't. I, can't uh, I want to call it a Serena Slam. No, <laughs> I, uh... I want to say it, but I know it's not the Serena Slam. But I, I, I can't remember what you what call is the Serena, it. The Serena Slam is when you 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 hold all four titles, all but four. not all in the same year. Yeah, exactly. So I, I forget what you yeah. call it where you hold them all in the same year. I don't, I can't believe I can't remember this right now. This is terrible. But no, but but I'm I'm just saying the fact that like, you know, she could be racking up these majors right now and she's not getting them. You could you could understand where some people are like, yo, this is like you're kind of missing a moment here where you can be collecting these. It's harder to collect those championships when you're older. 
You know what I mean? Like this is the time you're 23 years old, oh, you're, on, yeah. you're number one. This is the time to rack this all up. But at the same time, even though you're this prestigious tournament, you can't afford to keep having the best player in the world not be at your tournament either. You know what I mean? It, it almost invalidates yeah, the tournament. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it has to hurt. It has to hurt. Like to me, it. it yeah. It, yeah. It. It. Um. No. It definitely. It's like and just financially and reputational. Um. But yeah, it's 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 a it is a delicate balance because like like I said, it's like if if they are just, I think right if if players and athletes are just disembodied, you know, um, whatever athletes who just do a thing almost robotic, they go in, they play a thing, they leave. You never hear them speak. You never get a sense of who they are or anything. It's hard to it's hard to make a fan base connect with that. Yeah, like. It does. There is an importance. There is a value. Now, are there times when maybe you know media outlets really push the boundary and and maybe get more, or push more than they need to, potentially. But but at the end of the day, you can't you can't say that the sport can grow or the sport can you know maintain if they don't have access. If the if the stories of the athletes is not actually getting out and being shared, it's an essential element of the game. Now, granted, I think there needs to be some sort of balance, right? Because somebody should not be doing that media obligation at the expense of their mental health. That seems like a very, that doesn't seem like uh, a question. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with that. But, yeah, there needs to be some sort of balance. And I think it's good. She's bringing it up. It's, you know, she's stepping away. There's a lot of conversations about it. Certainly behind the scenes, all the, all the slams are talking about it and trying to figure something out. Um, because it's, you know, they, from their perspective, they just, they're, I think they're just worried about like, I think theoretically would they, do they care if Naomi doesn't talk, uh, as much as they would like her to probably they don't care, but what they see is always so many, as it is always with these things, especially like organizations, they don't look at the current situation. They think about, they're just thinking about the potential future, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this person could say no for this reason. Like, it's always all about, the concern is always about precedent. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they just need to figure it out. And they're going to. They're going to have to. They need Naomi. Yeah. She's, like, she's, the, she's so, like, she's at the top of the game. I mean, even she's not number one ranked right now, she's number two in the world. And certainly from a notoriety standpoint, she's number one. Without question, and, you know and, what I mean. And that's the thing. Can too. you name the number? Can you name the number one rank? No, uh, no. Well, there you go. But actually, Barty. But but I think it's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> but I I think it's interesting because you know you, you speak to a point where it's like you can't open up Pandora's box in terms of everybody be being able to use this. If more and more of these the biggest names start to use this as a, like a potential loophole, it hurts the media coverage yeah. of it. It hurts the TV deals that these majors have with the TV networks, like the tennis, you know, tennis organizations have with this with the with the TV networks, you know. So at the end yeah. of the day, it's like yeah. the the money gets affected, right? So I yeah. think that's that's the part of it too. So, like, I, I it's, it's oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So it's like if I'm a TV executive and I'm you know buying time, but I pay money with the expectation that Naomi Osaka will speak a certain number of times. Now, if you, like, suddenly you're like, yeah, she's not going to actually talk that many times, we need to renegotiate our deal because that's airtime. People, if there's no interview with her afterwards, people are turning off the TV. People are switching somewhere else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, people will stick around on the broadcast to watch the post-game interview with Naomi Osaka or people will watch a, a pre-interview, you know, whatever whatever it is. Yeah. People will, will watch that. And so if you don't have that, I mean, what the fuck? It's like, I mean, I, so I totally get how the whole thing breaks down financially. It's a whole, it's a whole mess. But they need to figure it out because it's, it's a thing that she's bringing up now and it's most certainly going to be a thing going forward. She's not the only one. She's not the first one to have mental health issues when you're playing at this high level of a sport. Absolutely not. It's not possible. No, absolutely not. It's not possible. And not, you know, it's like, you go through hard patches, you know, you get better. Like, just she is not the first. She is not going to be the last. So they need to figure it out. Because in this day and age, where you, she can, you know, directly speak to an audience, 
and an audience that will affirm whatever the fuck she wants to do, they, the power isn't necessarily where it used to lie. I mean, she, you know, she came out on social media today with a, a whole, like, was it yesterday? With the, with the, the Vogue cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, because she's got a direct platform to speak to everybody on her terms. Yeah. I mean, that is a terrifying thing. I, I would say, like, at, at a lot of these spaces, and, and this is, you know, ESPN and places like that, that where, where um, a lot of athletes, you know, access starts to be like, you have to use their production company or you have to go through their production company. Mm-hmm. In order to in order to secure an interview, yeah, you're not just um, be walking into a locker room and just having access to them right there in the hallway or or you know no. in their cubicle in a locker room, I should say. But yeah, no, because somebody like LeBron James knows the value of his voice. Yeah. I mean, he knows that like that's literally him doing an interview for you is, is is literally him just giving you money. So you know he smartly for himself, like you know, angles to make sure that you know, oh well you'll use, you know, my crew to do this or whatnot. And I'm, I'm not speaking to any deals that I know of yeah. specific. I'm just saying like in a, in a generic sense, a general sense, like there are so many deals made now and all these athletes, Kevin Durant, you know, Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. LeBron James, they all have production companies, Steph yeah. Curry, yeah. Um, Westbrook. And they're able to like control the way that their story gets told and shared, which is like great for them. But I think, well, obviously, it's not great for the industry, and it's not good for the audience in the end, to be honest. Because I don't know how you are, but I know that if I'm in charge of telling my story, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a little more glowing. Yep, it's glossy as hell. A little more glowing than uh, you know, not going to be as critical. You know, like or there's the false critical that get that gets inserted, right? Where you're like, there's the obvious critique against somebody. And so they nod to it, but they don't really analyze it. They don't really dig into what the way the way that an independent journalist would do. Um, so yeah, and I, I realize we're getting you know off topic, but that is something that does like kind of it's a concerning trend, I think. And I don't think that the consumer sees it necessarily as 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 obvious. It's like much more obvious behind the scenes of like when you see you know the way deals get made and whatnot that like. Or you see, like, the production companies. It's like, oh, you know, I mean, you pay attention to these things and watch. But if somebody's just like, oh, some company named, you know, whatever, X, did a documentary about my favorite uh, football player. Oh, that's cool. Like, I haven't heard of that company before. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you later on, you find out, like, oh, wait, that football player owned that company? Like, was that documentary actually legit? Like, were they really questioning things? You know, it's... It's, it's, it's interesting you say that because um, I know one of the things in the Michael Jordan documentary, for example, that people didn't like is the fact that, I mean, he Michael Jordan basically owns all his, he doesn't have a production company, but he owns all his, all the rights to, to his stuff. Like, you don't, you don't go through the league for his stuff. You go through him, right? <laughs> if you want to yeah, talk to Michael yeah. Jordan, right, as you know, so... Um, yeah, and I know ESPN yeah. was a was a big part of that, but I know some people had an issue with it because you're not totally getting the other story. You know, like there's different athletes that didn't get recognized. I was teammates of his for a while, like a Craig Hodges, for example. You know, that just that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't getting recognized in it. But you know, but it's because he the same thing as to what you're saying is like he controlled that narrative, right? So him in the league, him in the league, right? So like, I mean, to the point where like. A Scottie Pippen gets pissed off now because he's not getting that same. He doesn't like how his his story is being narrated, right? And, yeah. And, and yeah. I saw him in an interview this week where he was talking about like I'm controlling my narrative from now on, and it's like okay, so you see where this is kind of going. But like to me, it kind of represents what you're you're also seeing with social media as well, right? Like mm-hmm. just the fact that you don't need the media the same way to connect with fans and people. You know, to get your point across. And don't get me wrong. I don't think the media is going anywhere, right? They're too powerful to, to disappear. But at the same time, I think it's just going to be it's going to be continued to use differently, especially in the era where, as you're talking about, like stars are building their own their own platforms where you, you kind of have to respect their point of view. Because, like I said, with with what you call it, like in terms of Naomi with her, with her mental health, like I think right mm-hmm. now, whether it was by design or by most, I, I think this might have even been by accident. I think she also recognizes now the full value of, of her voice and her power. 
you know, because like I said, not not yeah, making please. not making her, her herself uh, available for tournaments and stuff, or, or on her terms, the fact that she's going to represent Japan in the Olympics, shh, like that is, like you're 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 giving more more of a platform to the Olympics with the Olympics with everything that's happening, you know. The, the Olympics got canceled last year. You're going into an odd number year for the for the Olympics. It's not getting the the amount of coverage or like leading up to it as it probably would have before. Now you have one of the biggest right. stars representing the host country, you know, in in, in, a, in a tournament that she's probably going to win. That storyline alone, and the fact that she didn't, she missed the last two uh, Grand Slams going into the Olympics. Now, where now she might actually say something. Oh my God! Like now, now this is major. This is huge now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you want your Naomi Osaka Osaka coverage, you're watching the Olympics. You're gonna watch what she has to say now. You know, you're paying yeah, attention sure. to that. It's it's that is a it's a it's a major it's a major move. I, like and honestly, I love yeah, it almost more so because you've been starved of her, right? You've yeah. been starved of Naomi Osaka. So now you're like salivating for hearing something from her, watching her play. Yeah, yeah. It's I, like uh, it's gonna be M- NBC sitting back going like, it's not bad. We help our Olympic ratings. <laughs> no, not not at all. And and it's and it's funny because I was telling a friend before um, before this, um, we were just talking about. Well, this I think NBC before. has the tournaments too. So, was that? <laughs> I think NBC also has some of the tournaments. They, yeah, like, yeah, they, I think they, they, they have, They're broadcasting the tournaments. So. Yeah, they have yeah. the French. They have the French. So they're like, well, you know, they they got messed up, but at least they can maybe make it up on the back end here. But exactly, exactly. I, I was telling a friend about this just before you know we started this podcast, where I was talking about what we we're going to talk about tonight, and it's interesting because you know when you watch where she is now compared to where she was when she jumped on the seat, it's like a complete one eighty. In in the past few months, in the past year, I would say her voice has grown exponentially, especially pertaining to like all the anti-black racism, you know, George Floyd, all the stuff yeah. in terms of her changing her mask at the U.S. Open. You know, to match all the yeah. all the names of the unarmed black people that got that got murdered, to see her become yeah. this person that the friends are voicing in this manner, honestly, Mamba, I I think it's awesome. I I didn't think this was gonna happen yeah. this quickly, you know. But the fact that no, she's I she's mean, she's found her voice and she's embracing these things, I like, yo, like she's she's in full bloom right now. No, she's a, she's yeah, no, it's amazing to see. She's twenty three years old. I mean, I I yeah, to have somebody at twenty three years old have that much self-awareness and and know the extent of the power that they could exercise in the space and also just to like know uh what they need um and and ask for what they need and then when when being denied what they need be like fuck it i'm gonna go i'm gonna do what i need to do for myself like that's all of that is amazing for somebody who's 23 years old um so it wasn't me at 23 no, <laughs> we were partying at Soka Jams at 23. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a very different focus. Yeah. Very <laughs> focused. So. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think it represents yeah. a, a strength in a, in a real way that I, honestly, even two years ago, I didn't I didn't see this coming. So it's it's actually really impressive to see. And, and honestly, finally, I'll say, Mambo, that I love that it's a black woman that's making this wave. Shit, like, let me tell it, man. Like, I, I think, Hell yeah, yeah. I think for her to be the one that waves this wand of responsibility, I think is an incredible thing. I mean, you know, oh, like, yeah. and especially from who it's coming from, given where we are in terms of anti-black racism and everything else has been happening. I mean, for many years, but especially you know in the last year and change or what have you. I keep saying, man, now was the time to flex your muscle. You know what I mean? In, yeah. in in terms of making people uncomfortable when it comes to these subjects or, or these power like this dynamic shifts and stuff like this. This is the time to flex your muscle like right now. Right yeah. now is the time. So but I love hey, that. Another example of black women, black women doing the hard work, hard labor to uh, to uplift the greater for the greater good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, absolutely. Like, I, I, I love I love that. Like, I, I love I really love that. And I love that. Like. Younger girls could come and see this now too. They, yeah, they can come sure. see that representation too. Like it's it's funny. There's there's a point that you know. I guess I'll finish with this, but it's a point that uh, my friend brought up <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that where he was talking about like as a father, he doesn't want to see her pulling out of too many tournaments at the same time because 
you also want to be able to show that you can kind of like fight through those like you're always gonna it's not gonna be easier for her you know what i mean in terms of dealing with the media dealing with that kind of stuff you, you don't want to see her not reach her full potential just because she's she's missing tournaments and it might hurt her in the long run that kind of thing so i think uh, like my friend was more concerned like he said as a father he's more concerned of like you know if that was his daughter like he would be like yo don't try to miss too much of these only because like i want people to show how strong you are too i'm not saying there's not strength in this but just going forward, you don't mm-hmm. want to miss like the next two years of tournaments. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that yeah. might hurt in the long run too. So I'm like, which I'm like, it makes that make I understand. I understand it from that perspective too. I, I I see that, but like I think she's I I bet you she's got a plan, a strategy. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's doing. I mean, the fact that she came out and made a point of being like, I'm not going to Wimbledon, and I'm going to the Olympics. Can't wait for the Olympics. So excited to represent my home. Like she's being very purposeful. Like she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she knows exactly. How, she knows. Yeah, I think she. I mean, you you have no idea what kind of conversations that happen in the background, right? There's all kinds of conversations she's having with the majors. They're talking. They're trying to figure out. They want her back in the tournament. She wants to be back there. I'm sure. Yeah. she wants to play. She wants to be in front of the people. Yeah. They'll figure it out. She doesn't want to be out. I'm sure because to her mental health, she was saying it wasn't the playing that was getting her. Maybe to some extent it was, but it was it was the if you're if you're deadly shy person and you and you have to deal with me i can see how that anxiety like gets ramped up especially at tournament time and whatnot of course um of course but like especially when you're especially like i said when you go from not to say she was she like she got it out the mud but like when you go to reach this this level of success this fast yo it's it's yeah it could trip you up for sure for sure we've seen she's got a great focus man she knows what she's doing i'm not worried i'm not worried at all She's, I, I believe that she's like, you know, um, she'll be all right and she'll be back. And she's young, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's really young. She's only 23. I mean, she's one of the younger, you know, when you look at like the top 20, 30, 50, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you're talking about a lot. Most of them are in their late 20s, early 30s, mid to late 20s, early 30s. Um, so she's still on the early side of her career. She's already where she's at. I mean, you know. She's she's gonna be all right. She's gonna be all right. <laughs> I agree with you. You know what I mean? I like I mean, I'm 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 not I'm not that worried. I think that like she's making a really strong statement, and whatever hit she's taking for it, you know, someday maybe in the end of her career when she is you know one tournament away from beating Serena Williams' record or whoever's record at that point, and people will point back to this. But I think what she's doing is is for uh, a larger cause. I, I am certain that she has. There are other players who have spoken about this and like feel the same way, and don't feel that they have the agency to do what she's doing. And so she's stepping up and she's doing what what she feels is needed. Um, and she's forcing a conversation that probably people have wanted to have for a while. No, a hundred percent. And I think, to, to, I guess, to what you're saying too is, you know, at the end of the day, as you said. 20, 20 something years, not twenty something years, but like ten years from now, when she's like, if she even if she doesn't, you know, beat Serena's record or, you know, get to that top record, this is going to be the feather in her cap, right? Like the fact that like if yeah. if ten years from now the whole structure of this changes and you know these majors deal with the players better in terms of you know recognizing when and when they want to speak to speak to the media, mental health, all that stuff. When when they figure out something to tie this all together. This is going to be the feather in a cap, right? So, so yeah. like if she if she ends up with eighteen majors, nobody's going to be like, ah, you didn't get the twenty four. They're going to be like, well, yeah, she missed a couple years, you know, where she could have maybe had twenty twenty one, but it was because of this, and and and, yeah. and 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 then we don't know, um, we don't we don't know, mom, but like, what happens? What happens when she finally gets on on that platform in Tokyo? Like, what if she does or says something, you know, that could be heavy you know what i mean during that period in time like we saw what she did with the u.s uh u.s open the potential is there what if she does something else yeah, on the olympic stage? yeah what if she does something on the, on, on the olympic stage that that shit like we might be talking about 50 years from now yeah like, the potential nah, is there. she's gonna, she gonna have words she's gonna have something to say yeah no <laughs> like, like i said i i love i, I love the strength and and how this is forming out because like i said i've been saying this for years the the models and the constructs of 
of our regular pillars of foundation is changing, is breaking. We're seeing it. We're seeing it in a lot of different industries and stuff every day, you know, to a certain extent. So it's like it's another salvo. It's it's another rock thrown at Goliath's head. You know what I mean? To take it down. So yeah, you, you got yeah. you got to love and respect it. You know, you got to love yeah. and respect it. All right, yeah, brother. But, doing the work. Yeah. All right, well, brother. Well, listen, man. Thank you for um for hopping on this podcast. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Oh. How are we going? How are we going? Like, we just jump right into this, but we have not talked about the Montreal Canadiens right now. Like, oh wow, it's about to go down. Can we just? We don't need to like analyze it and break it down. No, no, no. And, I'm not, and I'm not going to. Yo, <laughs> how excited are you? Even though you are a Torontonian slash Montrealer. I don't really know where your allegiance lies in terms of hats and 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 leaf. Do you wear nah, both jerseys? Hold, 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 I don't know. Stop, stop the presses! Stop the presses! Hold hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that you was, know Toronto that, runs deep in your blood, man. That was, Toronto runs deep in your blood. That was a masterful <laughs> slice off my leg. What you just did there? That was that was masterful. That was like a. That, that was like a ninja. That was like a ninja move what you just did there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. I didn't say anything. I'm just asking questions. You put I'm just you, asking you, questions. You put Toronto in front of Montreal. Holy smokes. That <laughs> yo, that was that I, I almost missed that. That was that was masterful. That was ma- I almost got it. you know what? Golf clap. Golf clap. That 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 was masterful. I like how hey, you did hey. that. What what can I, what can I do? Hey, I'm just you know I'm. It people was, want to know where you low, stand. It was low down. And, like, it was low down and very dirty, very dirty. But I I'll still give you a golf clap. You're like your excitement levels. Your excitement levels in the chat group. So like, I don't want to say muted, but like you know, <laughs> you, 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 know you know what it is. Not you, for, you, it's you, not for a And anyone you talk about, like if they win, you're going to go to Montreal. It's kind of like I feel like you were talking about more about getting shoes from the store <laughs> that you know, like you're trying to get another, you know. Than like about really going to celebrate the people. <laughs> um. So yeah. So disclaimer: I don't. I don't condone violence or robbery in any way, shape, or form or fashion. But you know, there was a period in time back in the nineties when the when Montreal was winning the Stanley Cup that you know people went and celebrated a different kind of way. You know, just you know they they I might, they might have walked through they, some par- paraphernalia. There there was those kind of things that happened, but I mean, there wasn't a lot of people that did it. I mean, I, I don't I don't know people personally, you know, who came back with a whole different wardrobe. Yes, I do. But, you know, th- those things kind of happen, you know, like it's it's just part of the part of the everyday celebration. So my my question in those chats was I was curious of who was going to go and partake in the celebrations, not not condoning violence or robbery or, 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 or thievery of any kind anymore. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. No, no, not officially, for sure. Right. Like, no, you're not talking. <laughs> I, I will say, like, I will say, I explained all, like, I'm talking talking about hockey here in the U.S. with, like, American friends and whatnot, and they do not get it. And I'm like, you don't understand. You think Vancouver won when they burnt that city? Fucking lost they burnt that shit. You think, like, in Montreal, they fucking won they burnt that shit. This shit is, like, people lose their mind no matter what. It's crazy, because you know that, like, the Montreal, like, government police, like, they're just like, I don't know. How do you stop this? What are we going to do? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> if you're a stop, if I'm a shop owner, I'm literally taking all my shit out and I'm putting it all in my storage for a week. I'm well, taking the hit. Well, you remember the legendary uh, sports fever in Montreal where, where uh, mm. the, the night of, because they, they, I still remember this, they, they beat the Kings in five. This is how much I used to watch hockey back in the day. They beat the Kings in five. That fifth game that they won, the clinching win was in Montreal. And I remember the day yep. of the day of that game, and it was the most popular, you know, sports and hip hop store back in '93 at that time. And they yeah. boarded up everything like it was a, like it was a hurricane coming. They boarded up all the windows because they knew there was like every oh yeah every person Everybody in Montreal knew. was coming for that store, and they were so highly priced at the time too. Their sneakers and yep. stuff was like it was like it was like a twenty thirty percent markup as comparison to like all the other places. But a lot of times you couldn't get the shit that was, you know, in their stores and other places in Montreal at the time, right? So, you know, like, yo, everybody was coming for that store. Everybody was confess. coming for that place. Just let it out. Let it out. Sounds like you want to confess something. Just let oh, it out. Just oh, let no. it out, Calvin. And, and listen, listen, <laughs> listen, I wasn't able to go. I, I had very strict parents, and, and my father especially, you know, uh, rest in peace to my dad, but 
I remember he, you know, my father was kind of on the scene being a DJ. So he knows. He knows what's going on. And he was like, there ain't no way you're going to this. Per- there's no way you're leaving this house tonight. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> ah, and I just watched the game. And like I said, and I, and I watched, you know, people that I knew, you know, come home with, you know, like different basketball all shoes kinds and of different stuff. gears and stuff. <laughs> you know, like I'm not bitter about it yep. at all. I'm, I'm not bitter about it at all, you know. Remember all the cars, all the cars that were like flipped and turned because of cars? The buses? Cars. Remember the buses? The buses yeah. were flipped over. Yeah. Well, well you remember? People were like, you I was like, what? When people, yo, <laughs> it was wild. We were like, that's how we celebrate. Like, yo, but, we come to the U.S., like they win, you know, Lakers win, and people are like, all right, we're going to have a parade. <laughs> In Canada, they're like, Let's burn this bitch to the ground. We won. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> crazy. And, and, Saint, and Saint, I remember St. Catherine was lit on fire. I remember St. Catherine, it was like, there was like tens of like, million dollars of damage. Literally back in lit on fire. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it literally looked like the dance scene in the Matrix. Remember the, remember the big dance I mean, scene? The part the- shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even the same shit of like Vancouver. Like, what the fuck? Like, you lost. Like, I get it. People are mad, but, like, they lost. And then it's like, fucking gonna burn a fucking city to the ground. <laughs> that kind of passion. You can't, you know, you, yo, you can't teach that kind of passion. That kind of passion, just you're born with that shit. I, I <laughs> you grow up with that I wanna, passion. I want to circle back to, to a couple of things before we go. Um, so, so, I guess the answer is... your Toronto Legion? Well, well, that number one. Yeah, I've been living here a long time, but hey, buddy, listen, look here, look here, stop, stop it. Hey, respect, respect, stop man. it, respect. How crushed were you when when Toronto lost that first round? Oh, I felt, I felt great. I felt, I felt great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's called South Sharaf for a reason, buddy. <laughs> the, the the lineage is there; it's in the name. Don't disrespect the lineage. Um, no, but but uh, <laughs> but no, I, I I think part of it, though, honestly, with the Canadians was I. I can't lie. I'm, and I shouldn't be as bitter as I am because of how things turned out. But uh, you know, I, I can't lie. It, it wasn't this much, being a Montreal fan wasn't the same for me after what they did with Subban. I I I, mm. I I I basically turned I turned them off for years after that happened. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I won't I won't lie. So that that's a big part of the reason why like I'm not like I'm not like going crazy as I as I as I would probably normally be in that situation because I just didn't like how that Subban thing was handled. You know, I, I agree. And I was like, I was in the same boat for a while. And then I saw my man, Subban, wearing an American flag bikini. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, now I see why he was sent away. Okay. It makes a little more sense. Yeah. And the comments and the certain things. So it's like, you're just like, damn it. No, my man is like, <laughs> you're like, you know, the time I was more racist and stuff. And you're like, of course, that's still like a part of something, right? Like it's still in there. But you're also like later, like a few years later, like when you look back on it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. You kind of get like, <laughs> all right, sounds like sounds like he's maybe a little like more difficult than I than I gave credit. Maybe, but you know, hey, you know, maybe, 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 but allegedly, that's the word, allegedly, 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 allegedly. <laughs> but you know, you know what? Yeah, like if they end up winning the cup, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be happy for them. You know, and maybe my, 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 my love, my love for the hometown city and and, and the team, maybe, maybe it'll be like back on a hundred percent if that happens. But that's part of the reason wow. why, like, I've been a little muted. You know, but, but, uh, but with okay. that said, like, I'm, I'm, okay. like, you know, with that said, like, like you're still happy to see it. You know, like you, you want to see them do well, and yeah. and, uh, and obviously this is like a. A miracle ride, as far as I know, right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they weren't supposed to be well, doing this, obviously. So, um, yeah, so you got, so you got it's, a, it. it's a straight up miracle run, man. Yeah. It's like the Kings back in twenty. What was that? Twenty thirteen. Yeah. When they were like the AC. Um, and and I, man, only Montreal knew how much was on the line. Your your affinity to them, if they only knew. <laughs> they'd probably kick it up a notch. You know what I mean? <laughs> And and I tell and I tell you what though, if they do win, I I will probably go out and get a Carey Price jersey. Though I won't lie, that guy that guy's a beast. <laughs> the guy's a beast, man. 
<laughs> Carey Price. Just wait, just gonna, I'm just going to wait till you post a picture, and Julian's going to hit you with a bandwagon, like hard <laughs> jack <Jack-roo. laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be wave surfing on that on that bandwagon with my Carey Price jersey. Yeah, that yeah, happens. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like asking for like, can we get? Can you you have a receipt for when you bought that jersey? Uh, uh, sure do. It's in my back pocket. <laughs> yesterday. On my lunch break. On my lunch break, and the delivery service of my front door was quick too. That's the funny thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's see if by the time this this uh, this pod is recorded, if they're in the final. Hopefully, hopefully so. It'll be it'll be great for the city if that happens, you know. And and I think yeah, we'll, I'm not I'm not counting any anything before it happens. Like, no, for for sure. Even yesterday, yeah, yesterday's game, I was just like, three goals ain't enough. <laughs> <laughs> Never enough. Never enough. I get I, yeah. No, I think Montreal Montreal has fans have a lot of anxiety around the. Yeah, and and honestly, considering the heavy lockdown and the curfews that they've had this year, like to have this on the flip side and and see them celebrating, it's cool. It's actually cool to see. So I'm, 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 I'm rooting for it. Yeah, I'm rooting for it to happen. I, I am rooting for it to happen. In all seriousness, but um, I love the boys. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Can we get out of here now? Hi, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, but thank you. Seriously, thank you for hopping on the app podcast, man, and having this conversation. Uh, it was needed. Thank you for having me. Finally, you know, thanks for having me. After all these years, I worked at ESPN. Uh, I left ESPN, go work in National Public Radio, and I appreciate you finally having me on to talk about sports for the very first time. <laughs> makes total sense to me. Like, it's great. I really appreciate it. It's really, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're welcome. Four and a half years, Calvin. Thank you for tuning in to the AF podcast. Special shout out goes out to Andrew Mambo for coming on the AF to discuss Naomi Osaka taking a break from the media and in the process setting up the possibility of setting new standards and how the media works with athletes dealing with mental health. I also completely resent the shot of where my, my hometown loyalties lie, but we'll, we'll pretend that didn't happen. I'm going to take the rest of the week off. I want you guys to enjoy your holiday week. We'll be back with two episodes next week, which also includes the podcast that I had with Wake Forest track and field star, as well as TikTok superstar Aaliyah Hutchins, which will be out at the end of next week. All right, so make sure you check out SashaRav.com for all of my past episodes and hit the like button. Uh, Please rate, review, and follow, and keep up with all of the latest shows. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Enjoy the rest of the week. For Andrew Mambo, this is Cal C, and you just tuned in to the Av Podcast on SashaRav Radio. All right, until next time, folks, peace. Have a great long weekend.